Morning, church. Is everybody ready? 2018? Good. About the same as 9 o'clock. Good, good. Well, listen, I just want to, before we really get into our, our, the meat of the message today, I want to just take a moment and say that um, in preparation for this message, I feel like, and I get the sense that this is the kind of message that has the real opportunity to, to make real transformation in our lives. And the reason I can say that is because I feel like it's all week long been showing me things about my life and revealing things about my life that, um, that is changing for me. And um, as we begin this new year, I just want to encourage everybody here this morning, I, I would ask you to have open ears and an open heart to hear from, from God today. I think it's really easy to come in, just do the church thing, and then make it to Tijuana Flats and everything's cool. And I just want to encourage you, be present here this morning just for a moment, just for a while to hear from him. And um, I feel like this is a, this is a pivotal moment for, for a lot of us here this morning. And so I want to pray for us, and then we're just going to jump right in together. Um, let's pray together. Father God. Thank you for your grace and for your mercy. God, thank you for your timing in our life, God. Thank you for your interactive um, ways within our life, God. Thank you for loving us and caring about us, not being somewhere far off, but right, being right here with us today, right now. I pray, Father, that you would teach us today. I pray that you would move in our lives today. I pray, God, that you would make us new. We need you, Jesus. We can't do this on our own. It's not about sheer willpower. It's not about... Self-help mumbo-jumbo, God, this is about allowing the Spirit of God to work in our lives personally today. Lord, we love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Do you remember being in kindergarten? I know for some in the room this morning, it's a little longer ago than mine was, and many of you in here is actually a lot sooner than mine was, but I remember like yesterday, kindergarten. I remember Miss Cordy, and I remember in kindergarten, oftentimes I would have my nose up against the chalkboard in a circle that she would draw because I talked too much. Can you imagine? And I, I would, I would kind of live there for a little bit of time. But I remember in kindergarten very clearly thinking in kindergarten, I'll, I'll never make it to middle school. You know, not, not because of my, my school antics, but because it just seemed so far off. Like it wasn't something I ever thought about. I never, I, it wasn't plausible in my mind that I would ever actually be like a middle school kid, you know? And then sure enough, one day all of a sudden, I'm like walking onto the campus as a sixth grade kid. And then boom, there I'm in middle school, you know? There was so much change that took place in those two, between those two things, kindergarten, middle school. And in middle school, I remember thinking, I'm never going to drive a car. Like, I'll never have a car. That'll never actually be a reality. That won't happen. And before I knew it, all of a sudden, I've got keys in my hand to a 1983 Z24 Chevy Cavalier. It's red. Had it for six months before the engine blew, because apparently you got to put oil in it. My dad told me yesterday, he told me that. So, but then all of a sudden, I'm driving a car. A lot changed on the road as I was driving, and, and things changed once again. I remember being like driving a car, thinking, I'll never make it into college. I'll never get married. I'll never have kids. And sure enough, all these things have taken place. What I found in my life, in my life and your life, is that there are these, these, these moments that we have where, where there's opportunity for transformation, opportunity for change, opportunity for something new, a pivotal moment. It happens all throughout our lives, but maybe, maybe it's most aware to us during the new year. I mean, every year as we roll into a new one, it just seems like this is our opportunity to look at our life and say, hey, is my life the way I want it to be right now? Or is, or is there a time for change? Is everything fine or does something need to change or do I just forge ahead? And I believe that right now, today, is an opportunity for us once again to be really honest during this natural built-in reset that we've been given within our life to look at our lives and say, hey, what, what resolutions do I need to make? What things do I need to decide to do? What kind of transformation needs to take place in my life? And chances are some people in the room this morning, you've made resolutions already. And some people in the room, you've already broke your resolutions six days in, right? 
If you're anything like me, my resolution is pretty much the same thing every year, just with a few words changed, so I feel better about it. It's always like, this year I'm going to get in shape. This year I'm going to be the best shape of my life. It's going to happen. And then I meet my arch nemesis like a month in, cake, every time. And before I know it, I've thrown it all out the window. And you name it. Whatever resolution you have this year, unfortunately, a lot of times we make these resolutions, we never stick with them, we fall off the bandwagon, and sure enough, next year we do it all over again. But I believe with all of my heart that today, this year, is the opportunity for us to have real transformation within our life. Amen? I believe that this year is a chance for us to truly break through. Not just talk about it anymore, not just have good intentions and hopes and dreams, but to actually see it come to fruition. Actually see it take place within our life. When I was a kid, I grew up in a a little uh, college town called Wilmore, Kentucky. And in that town, I have some of my best memories of my life. And one of my best friends of my entire life, I met there. And I lived in this little neighborhood called Talbot. And in Talbot, there was all kinds of kids my age that lived there. So it was really fun. We did tons of stuff together. And I remember every day I would get off a bus at my house, I'd run inside, I'd put my stuff down, and I would run up the driveway, out of my driveway, up the neighborhood, all the way to my friend Johnny's house. My parents are here, and they can totally attest to this. Every day, it was like, drop stuff off, boom, go to Johnny's house. My house was in the very front of the neighborhood, pretty much, and in the very back of the neighborhood was Johnny's house. And so when you'd walk up to his house, you were like leaving suburbs, and you were like feet away and steps away from this monstrous cow field. And there was this field fence in his backyard that came to a corner right in the back of his, his, uh, his yard. And when you walk up and look over the fence, you could see just acres and acres and acres as a kid of promise, acres of adventure, just waiting to be had, you know? So we'd go to Johnny's house and we'd hang out and we would always go to that fence and just look at them and just be like, can you imagine all the stuff we could get into? And it was wild. I mean, there was, there was woods and open field. There were cows out there. It was all kinds of stuff. And we would always go to the fence and look over the fence and be like, dude, there's so much potential here. So much possibility. I remember after going to Johnny's house for a while, finally he's like, listen, let's go into the cow field. Let's go check it out. And I'm going to be honest with you, I was terrified because that wasn't my property. There were cows over there. There were cow pies everywhere. And, and when you got further enough away into that, that wild and those, those fields, you couldn't see the house anymore. Like, what if we got caught? What if we got in trouble? I mean, I could think of a million reasons why crossing the barrier and going over the fence was not a good idea. But there was, there was only one reason I could think of that I had to. That's that I'd never seen across the fence. I'd never been over, I'd never experienced that before. And so sure enough, we decided, you know, it's going to happen. Let's do it. Let's go to the cow field. And we did it over and over. We lived in that cow field. We found streams with islands. We claimed them for ourselves. We covered every inch of those acres out in that cow field. And you know what? Some of my, some of my fondest memories, some of my greatest memories of my life came in spending time on the other side of the fence. But I didn't have to. You know, if I'm honest with my life, most of my life, I've kind of lived stuck in between somewhere. Like, I'm not, I'm not really here anymore in, in this transitional period, but at the same time, I'm not really here either. I'm somewhere in between. I feel like a lot of times I get stuck in this place. I'm not really growing to this next place, but I'm not really going back here, but somehow I just feel like I'm, I'm in the middle somehow. I'm stuck. And most of my life, a lot of my life, unfortunately, has, been, has really been lived with frustration and kind of a wandering or kind of a purposeless kind of attitude sometimes. And when I feel that way, it really gets to me, it really bugs me. Because I feel like there's, there's more. There's something else. And maybe this morning you can relate to that with me. Maybe you know what it's like to stand at the fence and look, at the, look over at the next year and feel like there's so much potential and so much promise in 2018. There's so much opportunity. Whatever that looks like. Maybe if you're anything like me, 
you find yourself standing at the fence still another year later, stuck in the in-between. Here's the truth. We are not the first people to experience this or wrestle with this. Many people before us have gone through this, but some people in particular within the scripture, God's people, the Israelite people, a large chunk of their narrative actually takes place in what I just described. A large chunk of their story takes place in a very physical location that embodies everything that I've just described in this in-between place. And in the scriptures, it's called the wilderness. It's very daunting, isn't it? The wilderness. For 40 years of the Israelite people's history, they spent wandering around in circles in a 20,000 square mile desert, almost the size of South Carolina, just wandering and wandering for 40 years. This terrain was extremely harsh. This would have been a test, certainly a test. I've not seen many deserts in my life, but I've been to Arizona one time. And when I got off the airplane and when we spent time in Arizona, it was like, it was like a different planet. I've never experienced anything like it before. And I can imagine the Israelite people experiencing this kind of thing, this kind of desolate, dry desert terrain for 40 years, wandering and wandering and wandering. Here's the problem. They were never meant to stay there that long. This is meant to be transitional, but they find themselves being there for a very long time, 40 years. Now, prior to these 40 years, the Israelite people have been enslaved for 400 years in Egypt. They were enslaved. They were treated harshly. And eventually, after 400 years, God heard the cry of his people and he rescued them. Miraculously, actually. Remember the story, there were 10 plagues. There was a splitting of the Red Sea, pillars of fire and pillars of smoke as God led the Israelite people out of Egypt. They were no longer slaves. And not only that, but God had promised them he would fulfill the promise he gave to their ancestors, Abraham, and give them a place of their own, a promised land, a place that would be theirs. But between Egypt and between this promised land, the Israelite people found themselves in the wilderness, somewhere in between. Now, this wilderness that's discussed in Scripture is not just a physical place, too. It's also this emotional place or this mental place or this spiritual place that too often we find ourselves. And if you've never been here before, if you've never been in the wilderness like this, just wait, because one day you will. If we live long enough, we all experience this. And in this place, there just seems to be this kind of sense that you're wandering or you're aimless, a lot of times hopeless and oftentimes, unfortunately, reckless. And oftentimes we get this sense that there must be something else out there. There's got to be something more But too often we just can't quite put our finger on it. We don't know why. I saw a bumper sticker the other day. You've probably seen it before too. And on the back of this car it said, all who wander are not lost. All who wander are not lost. And and years ago I would have totally agreed with them. Like, absolutely. I mean, it's people that wander, kind of like float through life year to year. No big deal. They're fine. Not lost. But I've done student ministry now for 12 or 13 years. And after that many years in student ministry, I've actually grown to not be as fond of that particular message as I once was. Because it might be true that not all who wander are lost, but many who wander are never found. Many who wander are never found. Some of the most heartbreaking experiences I've had at this church or any church that I've served at is working with students who graduate out of our program. And they graduate, they go to college and or to the workplace, whatever's next for them. And they never really make that transition from like, from like childhood or adolescence to like adulthood. And they get stuck somewhere in between. They're not here anymore, but at the same time, they're also not here. And they find themselves in this wandering place. And unfortunately for a lot of them, this becomes a place that's extremely dangerous. It can be described as wilderness 
Very much the same as the Israelites and very much the same as us in our life as well. And I've had, sat down and had conversations with students like this, young adults like this, and, and the message is always the same. Hey, one day, listen, I'll get it together. It's fine. Okay, right now I'm doing my thing. I'm in the party scene. I'm, I'm in the school. I'm in this fraternity, this sorority, whatever it might be. I'm doing my thing right now. But one day I'm going to get it together. I'll get out the other side of the wilderness to God's preferred future for me. But right now, it's my preferred future. This is what I want to do. And certainly there are amazing testimonies of people who have like wrecked their lives and they came out the other end and things are wonderful and perfect. It's a wonderful testimony. But here's the problem. We're looking at a very small percentage of those people. There are many who never make it out. There are many who never make it out of the wilderness. I don't know about you, but that breaks my heart. I know for a fact that I'm so thankful that God brought me through it because I could have easily stayed in that wandering place, in that restless place, in that reckless place. If you've not found yourself in the wilderness so far, it's because you haven't lived long enough, because one day you will. One day we all will. It's a natural experience within our life to experience a season of difficulty, a, spe- a season in between, a, sp- a season of, of wilderness. And, and maybe it comes upon you for different reasons. Maybe it's a loss of a loved one, or a loss of a career, or a slippery slope into addiction to a substance, or gambling, or pornography. Maybe it's a divorce. It's peer pressure, it's sickness, or it's disappointment. Though everyone experiences these seasons for different reasons, the same is always true. There's a wandering that takes place and a wrestling that takes place. And here's the truth, though. You were never, ever meant to stay there. It teaches us, certainly, but you're not meant to stay there. And what I've experienced in my life, personally, and what I see in the church around me, is there are many people who are not prepared for the wilderness. Because if it comes, you want to make sure that you're prepared for when it comes. There's a book that I read years back called Between a Rock and a Hard Place, and it's a story about a a man named Aaron Ralston. It's an amazing story about this guy. And in this book, he begins to explain in the book how how his life had really begun to spin out of control because he'd gotten so obsessed with, like, having achievements and going someplace. And there was something he was searching for, but he couldn't really put his finger on it. He didn't know what it was. So he started hiking as many mountains as he possibly could out west, all these 14ers, trying to get as many summits as possible. And the story goes that eventually he finds himself in Moab in this desert, and he's mountain biking, and he's going through these slot canyons. And as he's going through the slot canyon, he goes over top of one of these boulders, and the boulder shifts, and it falls down on him, and it traps his arm between the wall and the boulder that, that's, that's there. And he can't get out. He's there for six days. And during those six days, no one comes, and he, all he has to do is to be able to think about his life. And he begins to go back and say, I put myself here because... There was something I was looking for, this wandering that I was in. And so I, just, I was never satisfied. I kept looking and looking and looking and searching. And not only that, but when he goes into Moab, he doesn't tell anybody where he's going, which is a major no-no. He goes into these slot canyons, doesn't have all the materials he needs, and so eventually he gets stuck between a rock and a hard place with a little bit of water, and that's about it. The story goes on that eventually he's actually rescued because he cuts his own arm off inside of this slot canyon. It's an amazing, amazing story. But he would say to you, I was not prepared for that. I was not ready for that. I mean, how many students, how many of us personally in this room, we've never cracked the Bible on our own to read scripture for ourselves. Like we have no idea what it really says. And then when the hard times come, when the wilderness comes, what do you go to? How many of us, we don't have any mentors in our life, nobody who's ahead of us that we're asking to pour into us, like sisterhood, like you heard earlier, what a great thing. What a great opportunity to have someone look into your life and say, hey, here's what I'm seeing. Here's some things to pay attention to. 
Maybe in this room this morning, you have never actually made a commitment to allow Jesus to come and live in your life. These are necessities, must-haves, if you're going to go into the wilderness and make it out the other end alive. And this is what takes place within the Israelite people. Now, this whole series is actually based in the book of Joshua, but what I want to do before we get into Joshua is look at some things previous to Joshua. And the first one actually comes in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. As God is speaking to the Israelite people, he's reminding them of the way that he has prepared them and he is providing for them as they're going through this 40 years of wandering that they've really done on on their own. Here's what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1 through 5. God says, be careful to follow every command I give you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised an oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. Whether or not you would keep his commands, he humbled you, causing you to be hungry and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Here's the key, verse five. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord God disciplines you. During a time of wilderness like this, God says to the Israelites, let me remind you what I've done for you. I've provided for you every step of the way. Be careful to listen to every command I give you and live it out and do it. There's a discipline and a refinement and a guidance and a work that God is speaking about here in Deuteronomy that is the very thing that though extended, got Israel out of the wilderness and out the other end and out the other side. If you find yourself in the wilderness today, no matter who you are, if you find yourself wandering today, this is a new year. Today is a new day. And you have a chance to live into a new territory. And here's what it takes. A humility to allow God to work in your life, to discipline and to refine, and ultimately to transform you. I'm convinced of this in my life. There is no real transformation that happens apart from the work of God in your life. There's no real, lasting, true transformation that happens in our life apart from the work of God within our life. This is why most of our resolutions don't ever lead to any kind of personal escape from our wildernesses. So all we're trying to do is pinch pennies or or eat, cut carbs out of our meals or just try harder. And in doing so, it never actually works for us. Please hear me today. If you desire to change your life, if you desire to see transformation, it has to first and foremost begin with a conversion experience. You have to be born again. You have to allow Jesus to come and live and dwell inside you. It's not enough just to try harder. It's not enough just to cut something out. It's not enough just to have self-help mumbo-jumbo and read some book. What it takes is a transformation by God's work within your life. Husbands, wives, children, this is what it looks like. I remember for most of my life before I got married to Jenna, one of my major issues, my, my biggest hang-ups was relationships. I could just never figure out how to really do them correctly. And what I found was every relationship that I had, when it got to the end, there was always some kind of harm that was done between the two of us and some kind of shame or guilt or, or whatever that, that was left there. And it was really painful, to be honest with you. And I, I really didn't want to do that anymore. I wanted it to change. So all I would do is just try harder the next time. And it seemed like every time I tried harder, the same thing would take place. And I remember clearly, finally, where God began to speak into my life and show me that the problem was I was just trying harder. And what I had to do was stop. 
and submit to him and allow him to make the shots and the calls within my life. I began to realize there was, a, there was a, like a, I used to call it like the final frontier of my life, the last place that I'd never allowed God into in my life, and it was relationships. Everything else, God, you got full control. You do what you want. But right here, I call the shots on this. And what I found is it never worked. And perhaps in your life too, there's this final frontier. This is a territory. There's this place that's wild and it's wilderness that God is not allowed into within your life. And so within your family, there's chaos. Within your relationship, there is chaos. Within your workplace, there's chaos. There's secrets. There's things that nobody knows about. And the reason is you just told God, you can have access to everything. God, I'll look really good on Sundays, but you do not have access to this area. And when we do that, we simply make resolution after resolution after resolution, and nothing actually ever changes. At the genesis of a new year like this, what we really need is we need a change that is not symptomatic. We need a change that is systemic. It can't be symptomatic. It has to be systemic. So in 2018, I want to stop smoking. But go deeper. Why? Why do you have this addiction? Why is this an issue for you? I want to stop racking up money on my credit cards. It's got to stop. But then you go and you keep buying stuff. I want to lose weight, but you end up going back to the fridge over and over. I want to quit gossiping and talking bad about people. But then when someone walks by, you do the same thing over and over and over again. Why? It's because we deal with symptoms. We're a symptomatic culture. Take care of that thing that's easy and that thing that's easy. We don't go deep and find out what's the real issue underneath all of these things. And here's why. Because I believe and I contend that underneath all of it, underneath every vice, is an idol that has to be dethroned. And if it's not, we'll just keep going back to it over and over again. It has to be uprooted at its very source. And according to scripture, this was the Israelites' problem. They were so forgetful. God would do something amazing for them, rescue them out of Egypt after 400 years of slavery, and they would forget it. God would do something once again, and they would forget it. And they found themselves making all the calls and calling all the shots and not allowing God into their life. And in so doing, it kept them in that perpetual wandering for 40 years in their life over and over and over again. And in the end, they were miserable. Or miserable. When we find ourselves in that place in our life, when we find ourselves miserable in our present, we begin to long for our past. We try to avoid our future. Maybe, maybe this year, I mean, we're six days in already. Maybe you're like, this, just, this is miserable. I can't stand this or that or whatever's going on. And you find yourself in that place. Here's what we begin to do. Man, if things just were like they used to be, everything would be okay. Or I don't, I don't want to face the future and where we got to go here. I'm just going to stay right where I'm at because it's comfortable and I know it. I'm just going to stay right here. Have you ever noticed that it's amazing how much misery can define an experience? I went backpacking a lot in college and I went on one trip for my school at CIU and we were up at this place called Black Balsam in North Carolina. It's a beautiful place to go. Amazing views. It's an awesome place to go backpacking and hiking, but it's also extremely unpredictable. So you would get there and one day the weather might be perfect and without any kind of warning at all, it all turns and goes bad. We were there at this, uh, on this bald, this mountain camping one night. It was a wonderful night. It was beautiful. We had a fire. We all went to bed. In the middle of the night, this huge storm blows up. I've never been in a storm like that again with that kind of ferocity in a tent on top of a mountain. To the point where when the wind would blow that night, the tent side of the tent would hit my face as I was laying in my sleeping bag. It was terrifying. The problem was when we got up the next morning, everything was soaking wet because it had rained all night long and the temperature dropped by 20 degrees. So when I got up the next morning, I came out of my tent, I was soaking, I was freezing, I was miles from anything. 
And I don't know about you, but when that happens to me, I get miserable. If you're anything like me, I walk out and all of a sudden when I'm miserable like that, I hate everything. Like I hate this tent. I hate my backpack. I hate that food. I hate you, that tree. That, and we, go, we go through all that. We get so negative. When we're miserable, it has a way of like redefining all that we experience within our life. And we have this attitude that just comes out of us. But here's the thing. It's not just about backpacking. The same thing is true within our life. I mean, if you're miserable today, guess what? Everybody else knows it. It's true. You're like, no, they don't. Yes, they do. When you're miserable in your present, man, it comes out in all kinds of places. And so when you get stuck in a little bit of traffic on the way to work, guess what? You lose your mind. When your wife's like, honey, can you take out the trash? You're like, what'd you say to me? And your kids, they don't want milk again for like the thousandth time. And you're like, are you kidding me? You don't get the grade you want. That person doesn't text you back. I mean, all these things, when we're miserable in our life, when we're not in the place that we want to be, when we find ourselves in this wilderness place, misery just sets in and it has a way of having a negative connotation for everything that we experience. It taints our circumstances and it taints our lives. And maybe even this year, you're living this already in your life. You're miserable. And because you're miserable, we have a tendency to do one of two things just like the Israelites did. Number one, we long for our past. We long for our past. The Israelite people have been rescued out of Egypt after 400 years of slavery. Here's what it says in Exodus chapter 13, 16, verse 3. This is a conversation between the Israelite people and their leaders. They say, hey, listen, if only we had died by the hands of God in Egypt. There, at least, we sat around pots of meat and we ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us into this desert, this 40 years of wandering, to starve the entire assembly to death. What? God rescued you. And here you are complaining about where you once were. If we could just go back to Egypt, it was so nice. For 400 years, we had all we had to eat. Do you not remember you were in slavery? It was miserable. When we think back to our past, too often we, we glorify it. Here's the problem. It's never as good as we remember it in our head, is it? It was so nice. No, it wasn't. You were miserable there too. But for some reason, when we get in a bad spot, when we get into the wilderness place in our life, we long for, if only things were like that once again, things would be good. If only I lived there again, things would be, if only I had that relationship back, then things would be good. If only I had that job, if only, if only, if only. And we can play that game all day long. And it's such a trick because it'll never make you happy. It'll never fix the systemic issues that we have within our life. It's only a symptom. And some of us in this room need to hear it this way. It's time to let go of the past. It's time to let go of the past. We can't glorify it. And some of that shame that's back there that's holding you back from moving forward, it's time to let it go. A lot of my life, I lived with a shame that I just carried with me, like in a backpack. I'd throw it on. Occasionally, I'd take the backpack off. I'd look through it, maybe throw out a couple things, but I'd always throw it right back on. And every time I did, I kept myself from going into the new territory that God had for me, this new place, this new way of living. In the book of Isaiah, it's interesting that in Isaiah... Later on within the Israelite story, after they've gone into the promised land, at this point in time, they find themselves again in a wilderness place. Now, it's not necessarily a physical location like they were in earlier, but at this point in time, they have been conquered by an outside nation. They've been taken into exile, and they're in a very, very dark place. 
So it's interesting to me that the writer in the book of Isaiah is writing to them very reminiscent of what they experienced for those 40 years wandering and wandering and wandering. Isaiah 43 verses 18 through 19 says it this way. Here's what the writer says to them. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, God says, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the what? Wilderness. And streams in the wasteland. I feel like this morning there's some people that need to hear this. Stop wishing for your past. Stop reliving history. It's not reality anymore. Things have changed. And hear this from the writer of Isaiah. God is wanting to do something new in your life. Something new. So there are some here this morning, you're lonely. And because you're lonely, you're longing for this past that you once had, but, but you can't dwell there because God is wanting to do a new thing. And some of you this morning, you've made so many mistakes. And because you've made those mistakes, you keep going back and you want to hold on to it. And you can't anymore because God is wanting to do a new thing. For some of you, you've lost hope. Because you've lost hope and you're miserable. You're looking back to the past, wanting that once again. And God's saying, you can't do it. Let it go. Because I want to do something new in your life. Something brand new and fresh in your life. And God says it this way. And when I do this, I will make a way in the wilderness. I'll bring streams in the desert. Yesterday, my wife and I had a chance to go to Allendale County. It's very exciting. Uh, she's a realtor, and so every once in a while I get a chance to go and like, see really cool stuff, like land and houses and everything. And so I got the good chance to go with her to hike on this 79-acre hunting property that was amazing. But when we got on the property, we're in Allendale County, so we don't have great service on our phones, so we got lost a, couple, a lot of times. And we're trying to follow this like, blue dot on her phone and match it up to the paper that we had, and we found ourselves everywhere, pretty much on every piece of property except for that piece of property. And eventually we finally made it back. It was funny, we were walking around, uh, honestly being like, we're never going to get back to the car. An hour-long hike turned into like two and a half hours of out in the wilderness in the woods walking around. And it was beautiful, but at some point you're like, I'd like to go home. And so we're walking around, and there was this thing that would happen, though, every once in a while, when you could see the map and you could see the blue dot, when all of a sudden you would see, like, very clearly show up in the middle of these trees, like a path. Like, this is the way you should go. There's some kind of euphoria that you go, like, oh, I'm not lost, here we go. And then you get lost again, and you got to find it again. But God is speaking to the Israelite people and he's saying to them, hey, listen, I want to do a new thing. And when I do this new thing, I will make paths in your wilderness. I'll show you the place to take. I don't know why, but I just feel like, I feel like this morning, there are some young adults in this room who I care about so much. They've been on my heart all week long in preparation for this. And there are some of you in this room who I love like crazy. And some of you are wandering and you're wasting time. And some of you in this room, you, you think this thing is going to make you happy. This thing right here is going to be where it's at. I'm telling you right now, you're wrong. Because God wants to do something new. There are some of you who I know after years and years of being here at this church, you've been disappointed for whatever reason or another. And because of your disappointment, you just keep reliving the what ifs, the what ifs, the what ifs. And all along, God is saying, you got to let it go. I want to do something new in your life. And when God provides the path, you've got to walk it. You've got to take it. We've got to let go of the past. But secondly, also exemplified by Israel, the second thing we have to do is we can't fear the future. 
You see, the reason the Israelite people found themselves for 40 years walking around, wandering around in this wilderness place, this place in between, is because right before they were going to go into the land that God had always promised them, this was it. We had left slavery. We're going to this new place. And somewhere in between, they sent some spies out, 12 of them, to go check out the new land. And when those 12 spies came back to the leaders, they said, hey, listen, two things. Number one, it's amazing. There's so much potential. So much possibility. They said it like this. This land is flowing with milk and honey. It is amazing. But number two, we can't do it. There's giants in the land. We'll never win. I mean, it's like they walked up to this fence and looked over into this preferred future that God had for them. They looked over and said, it looks awesome, but we can't do it. And it was all about fear. And that fear kept them from moving to the place that God had for them. Again, the wilderness was never meant for 40 years for them. This was transitional. This was teaching. This was grooming. And for some of us in this room, you've been there way too long. Because you're holding on to something that's not reality anymore. Or you're looking ahead and seeing all that it might take to live into that possible future. To see what God could do in your life. And honestly, you feel like it's going to cost you too much. There's some friendships that are going to have to go. There's some rearranging of your finances. There's some, some things you got to forgive. There's some people that you got to go and speak with. And because it looks too difficult and too hard, you won't do it. And because of your fear, you'll remain in the wilderness. We've got to let go of the past. We can't fear the future. I'm afraid that's where many of our, uh, us are today. Simply saying it's impossible. It'll cost me too much. I'm sure I'll just mess it up again. But listen, we finally dip our toe into the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. The people, after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, are finally ready to enter into this land that God has for them. And here's the first message that God gives them in the very first chapter, talking to the leadership and to Israel. He says this, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I just feel like for some people in here this morning, God is wanting you to know he's not left you. He's not somewhere far off, but he's with you. You can step into this future. You can step into this transformation. You can allow him to work, and you can do it trusting him because he's not gone. He'll be with you every step of the way. And this This is what finally allows the Israelite people to leave this place of wilderness and live into what God had for them. So this morning, I believe God has a a future for us. I think 2018 will be a time of transition for a lot of us, for newness and freshness. I believe with all my heart that things will change this year. But I also believe it's going to take two things, letting go of the past and not fearing the future. So I'm going to invite you to do something this morning. Please hear me. You don't have to. This is not meant to be coercion. This is opportunity. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. I want you to take your hands, just make fists just like this, and just raise them over your head with your eyes closed. And just for a moment, I want you to think in your mind, in your heart, about the things that you're holding on to so tightly that you believe that it's keeping you from living into the life that God has for you. And what I want to invite you to do in just a moment is I want to invite you to take your hands and unclench your fists and open your hands to God. 
I'm going to invite you to say to God, you know what, God, you get, you get all of my life, all of it. I'll let go of the things of the past. I'll let go of the things I fear in the future. And with open hands, I invite into my life, God, the things that you want to do. So would you do that now? Just open your hands. I want to give you a moment in your own words, in your own heart, you just say to God, God, would you work in me? Would you change me? Would you do what only you can do? Help me to let go of the things that hold me back and help me to not have fear of the things that hold me back. This is the year that we break through. This is the year when things finally change. You can put your hands down. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. To be honest, God, there is nothing else. There's nothing else that can change us like you. For many of us in this room, God, we've tried it all. And it's all failed. And so God, for some of us here this morning, it's our last ditch effort to see our lives change. And I pray, God, that you would come through for them. I pray, God, that as we've raised our hands over our heads, we have let things go, as we've opened our hands to you, God, would you fill our hands with the potential and the possibility of this new year? I pray, Father, that whatever is in our past that holds us back and whatever is in our future that keeps us in bondage, God, I pray that you would free us today. Lord, we love you. We thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.